Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast, the podcast where you either find a lot of joy and encouragement yeah. or you either get extremely angry and pissed off and you email us. <laughs> this is what this is what the LARCast is about. Russ and I were just kind of bored in life and we were like, you know, what do you think would be the best way to just get our our text messages and our emails flooded with a bunch of just angry people asking us questions about uh, the grace of God. And we said, you know what, let's just start a podcast. Let's just start a podcast where we just look at the scriptures and take an honest look at like what Jesus really said. And so we did it. (laughs) And look, we have, we have jobs. We have things to do. Uh, We do. We do. It's uh, it's amazing how many people will write in or call or text or you know whatever it might be conversations with people that you know that listen in, and it's it's weird to me like how one camp is going. Damn, I never knew that God was really this good. Like I just, I've always heard like you know God's good or God loves me or you know talk about like being saved, right? You know, as we've said on this podcast, they, they heard about being saved, but they never felt safe. They heard God loves you, but they never felt like God liked them. Mm-hmm. Um, they heard, oh, he's good, but it just didn't seem like this was really good news for them, much less the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so you see people engage in this and they're like, amen. And then at the same time, you're right, dude, there's this whole other crowd that just gets up in arms, man, when you let Jesus' words speak for themselves. And that's not a knock against them. And just to be honest, uh, when I first started engaging in Jesus' words for what they actually are saying, after 15 years of pastoral ministry, I was throwing my own notes across the room, <laughs> going, there's no way, right? Because it just leaves no room for you to have this like leg to stand on. You have nothing to measure you with. You have nothing to measure other people with. This whole like idea of the winter circle and growth and mile markers and the, all the maps you're creating that you can sell to Christians and churches that all jump on board and buy them up like crazy. Like all that just sort of disappears in this view of God being who he really says he is and inviting us to take him at his word, to live a life in trust to him and what we can't see Jesus versus this life of just continual focus on what we can see our progress and the lack thereof. And the, uh, the parable man from last week, you know, the laborers in the field, bro, if, if you're not that good at life, if you're honest with at least how you feel about people or ideas or things behind closed doors, that parable is very encouraging. But if you're not, that parable will push you off. And oh, yeah. So you can imagine what's going to happen after people listen to what Jesus has to say. In this parable that we're about to dive into, it's uh, yeah, man. There's, you know, I don't know, man. It's kind of like we've said it before. The truth will piss you off before it will set you free. Yeah, you do have to grapple with it. It does not work according to conventional human wisdom, so it doesn't work according to your knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. And it almost it almost feels like it's an affront to good things. Yeah. Um, But the devil's in the details when it comes to good. And that was one of my big Mm. ahas as I started to really study the scriptures because I came to Jesus out of like a rebellious lifestyle. 
I was like mm. breaking commandments, dude, you know, loved every minute of it. Yeah. And when I had this really cool interaction of grace, like I met Jesus, like he revealed himself to me and told me that he loved me even in spite of everything I was doing, but show me the dead end road. That was all this like rebellion. Right. <clears throat> yep. And so like in a, in a, in a real way, you know, I met him and I, and I met his love and it transformed my life. And later on in my story, I was just like, I don't think, I don't think I really realized that um, Jesus was really critiquing the, the good kids. His yeah. biggest beef, his biggest arguments, the most tense moments in the New Testament were with the camp that represented religious good. Even Paul, I always mm-hmm. would interpret Paul's words like of the old man. You know, the old man is is crucified or, you know, we've yeah. been we've been dead and raised. You know, he would talk about the old man. I always interpreted old man in terms of my old man, like the one that was just rebellious. But we often forget that Paul didn't have a rebellious phase. Yeah. He had an insanely super righteous phase where he was like head and shoulders above all of his contemporary and all of his peers as it relates to like rabbinical Pharisaic school, you know, like he was crushing it. Yeah. Like his- this dude was like the rising star in and among those who were spiritual and they were good. And he is the one that coined the phrase, the old man. And so that old man had to be defined and has to be defined outside of just rebellion. And the only thing you have left is like, well, here's this whole crew that thinks they're good. They think they're in because of how, how well they perform because how righteous they are according to the law of God. So it feels like an affront to good and good things. When you talk about grace, it seems very counterintuitive to producing good in the world. And that is one of the big knocks on grace is like, oh, you're just going to give people like just this like license to do Mm -hmm. whatever they want. Right. If you preach grace, it's not going to reform people and it's not going to reform the world. Right. Because it leads to what some have called um, licentiousness or some have called quietism, meaning, you know, like, you know, you just kind of like you believe in your hands are folded. Yeah, there's like the, the fear seems to go either way. Either the, the fear is if people hear that that Jesus alone has done everything that is needed for us to dwell in union with God through his death for our death and through his resurrection being our resurrection, our very life in him. If we believe this, if all, all he's inviting us to do is really trust him in this and to live a life in light of that trust, okay, in all aspects of life, then it will lead to as you said, like rebelliousness, you're going to run off and, you know, you're going to rob a bunch of banks and hurt a bunch of people and, you know, kick dogs on the weekend. Um, but if you, <laughs> sorry, I was trying to hit. That's all a very Southern, kids. Southern thing to say. It's a very Southern thing to say. So if you, um, but if you, at the same time, there's this fear that if people believe this, they'll just sit around and do nothing and say, Oh, Jesus took care of it all. So, you know, I don't have to do anything. So yeah. it can kind of go like it goes towards like this idea of, of wrongdoing or no doing, you know what I mean? Like, you know, either way. But it, I think it just it really just stems from a lack of understanding. Uh, I think what sin actually is and what it's not, according to what Jesus has said, uh, what yeah. faith really is and what faith really is not. And I think all that really coincides with these stories that Jesus has been telling about what God is like. And about what it really means and looks like to enter into, okay, to awaken to is literally what that word means in the New Testament, like to awaken to this reality that's right under our nose. Um, when, like, whenever the point about having faith alone in Jesus is all that is needed to awaken to Him, you, we get we basically just get really uneasy, man, and we start to wrongly think that faith is this simple decision we make with our minds. And the sphere, as you said, society is, you know, it's going to go all awry or people are going to reject it, you know, because it's just too simple. I've heard a lot of um, Christians say that. Well, I think we have to understand, like, even in Paul's day in first Corinthians two, he goes, Hey, like Greeks, 
those who are like really dialed in on like thinking, arguing, nuanced conversations, mm-hmm. a lot of philosophy, um, very intellectually dialed in. They looked at the gospel and said it was foolish. It's just mm. simple. It's just kind of silly. And then, you know, the, the Jewish crowd, which is like really dialed in on like religion and performance and getting it right. It was a stumbling block to them. Why? Because it challenges the assumption and the premise of everything that they're doing. It's saying you're not saved by your performance, by your works, by your lineage, where you come from, you know, your, your skin color, your nationality. You're not saved by any of that. You're saved by someone else outside of you that did something on your behalf. And it works regardless of your opinion of it. Yeah. Yeah, if, if think about it like in, in terms of like geography, like the, the issue that humanity struggles with, all of us, is from within our shore, as in it's from us personally. Yeah. It's not this foreign born enemy or villain that's out trying to get us. Right. The issue that we struggle with and all the issues that flow from that struggle flow from within and out of us. It's from yeah. within our shore. So right. the only rescue has to come from beyond our shore. That's why self-help industry is a $9 billion annual industry. And it just, it's growing, not shrinking, just to be clear. As in, if it worked really well, (laughs) it would be, it would be shrinking, but it's not. It's just growing year after year after year, because at the end of the day, we can't bring change, transformation, hope, healing, harmony to ourselves. It's just, it's got to come from beyond, man. Yeah. There's so many like places we could go right now like we really are sitting on the edge of so much that we want to talk about like even pre-show we were like dude this easily could turn into like an hour and a half podcast or or we could just take this one route and make it a half hour podcast because we really are touching on so many you know different things so it all depends on like where you want to go man let's keep going let's just pick up with the parable and go yeah sounds like a good good plan So today's parable is found in Matthew 25, 1 to 13. So Jesus says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. So clearly he's talking about a future, um, this sort of this judgment, this coming, this revealing. And he says, 10 bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. So it's not that kind of flask. See, when you think wedding, you thought it was going to be the other kind of flasks, mm-hmm. but it's, they have flasks and it's filled with oil, not Buffalo trace. Sadly, as the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. Well, the drowsy might mean these flasks were filled with something other than oil. I'm being silly. Let's move on. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went out, while they left the party to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So clearly we're getting into the end of history here. Yeah. The, um, the moment where the seemingly hidden king of this kingdom that works in a mysterious way, a hidden way, not detectable, right? According to conventional human wisdom or even the human eye finally reveals himself. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. And he tells this story of a wedding. And so the inclusion exclusion thing, I'll go ahead and let you take that one. Cause you started, I don't want to steal your thunder there when we first kicked off the Lark cast, you know, when we were starting to unpack, like how to look at the parables, we come back to this principle of inclusion before exclusion. Everyone who is judged 
as in everyone who's made an outsider at the end of the parable started out as insiders at the beginning of the parable. Again, total opposite of what we've been taught. We're taught that that friendship belonging is something that is acquired through our doing. Not yeah, something you might want to repeat that because that is like a major paradigm shift for people who are listening. It's a major paradigm shift for just conventional yeah. human wisdom. Yeah. The, um, it doesn't matter if it's the girl scouts, the <laughs> high school football team, right. uh, any local church, yep. right. Or a place of business where you're employed. Yeah. You yep. start excluded on the outside and then by some sort of membership process or some right. sort of recognition of your accolades and your performance or some sort of tryout mm -hmm. um, or, or anything you are then included. And, right. But you included. just said, you just said it works the opposite. Jesus, the way Jesus described the kingdom of God and how it works, how, how God is at work in the world to bring all people into unity uh, with him and each other is it works opposite. He works opposite of what we think of how we operate, um, which might just point to why we have so many issues and struggles <laughs> right in society, but that's a whole nother can of worms. But the, the, we call it the principle of inclusion before exclusion. Okay. So just repeat, as you said, everyone who is judged in the parables, everyone who's made an outsider. Okay. At the end of a parable started out as insiders at the beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. All right. And Jesus's day, the, uh, the groom. Okay. So the groom in this wedding, which within this story would be a picture of Jesus. The groom in Jesus's day would pick the bridesmaids. Now, according to like, you know, different passages of scripture, some people, you know, it'll say like 10 virgins, five of them are foolish, five of them are wise, but the words referring to the role of bridesmaids. Yeah. Um, also in Jesus's day, not only did the groom choose the bridesmaids, um, you're talking probably about, you know, like 16 year old girls, man. Um, and they couldn't be any happier. They're, you know, they're the, the, the anxious fear of, of, of being snubbed from this desirable role is behind them. They got picked, man. They're in the their groom. dresses. They've already been fitted for yeah. their dresses. They're in their yeah, dresses. Yeah. Ceremony's over. We're waiting for the party. Yeah, like all the fears of being left out, being left behind. You don't count. You don't matter. You're not worthy enough. Those, all those fears are gone, man. You were found worthy. I chose you. And so, man, these, these girls were like, they're, they're basically just skipping, you know what I mean, to this party with lamps in hand. And the way that Jesus tells the story is he goes on and reveals five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. And I think that's where it starts to get a little tricky in regards to what constitutes the foolish and the wise and what takes place within the story. And why is, as you've already read the story, why are some of them included in the end and others not? Yeah. So that's maybe ultimately. we can just camp out yeah. on this, what makes them wise and what makes them foolish. And I think, it would be just good to note, you know, based on everything that we've seen. And I think it's pretty clear, like you're not in because you're wise and you're not out because you're foolish in no. a general, like in a general sense, a general brand of wisdom and foolishness here. This isn't like those who hit their financial retirement goals and drank the recommended amount of water every day, their whole entire lives got in, you know what I'm saying? While everyone else who, you know, is now mm -hmm. subject to a rest of your life as a Walmart greeter. And you probably should have got more sleep and drank more water while you lived yeah. your life is out. It speaks a little bit more to faith than it does works and performance. Not to say that there's not this expression of it. We're not yes. saying that, but at the core of it is what we believe and who we believe God to be. Yeah. And right. When you say that, I can like rattle off a list of people who would take offense to that myself included for 15 years of ministry with, you know, the list of, no, this is what they did. And this is why they counted. And this is why these wise bridesmaids were included at the, in the party in the end and why these others weren't, they were ready. They were prepared. They had trained hard, like an athlete, the way Paul talks about, you know, don't follow me as I follow Jesus. You know, that's, that's what they, they set out to do. And they did well to which I'm always like, Paul, the guy that, 
you, Tony, referenced earlier in our podcast here, also openly talked about being the chief among sinners, struggled with what he referred to as a thorn in his flesh, okay, a, a, a sin in his life that was so grotesque he couldn't even say it out loud. And when he went to the Lord about removing it, God's response was, my grace is sufficient for you. The St. Paul that forever gave us language and the neuroticism of the spiritual life and said, the good I want to do, I don't do. And yet Mm -hmm. I do this bad thing that I don't want to do. Right. But he's also the same guy who continuously pointed to life with Jesus is a life of trusting Jesus in spite of what I think or feel or see. That's the life that God has given us. It's a life of faith. So when he's saying, follow me. Yeah. When he says, follow me as I'm following Jesus, he's saying, do what I'm doing. And what do you see me doing? Well, I've just listed off all the things, you know, I shouldn't be doing that I'm doing right. And the things I want to do, I don't do. I'm the chief among sinners here. I got this thorn in my flesh. He won't take away, but there's one thing that I have committed to out of a gift from him by grace. I'm living by faith. I'm trusting in what he's done. That's my life. Follow that. And Paul in particular has a lot to say about the dynamics between foolishness and wisdom, especially in first Corinthians chapter Mm -hmm. two. So as we get into this, we here, we see these words wise and foolish. Yep. God flips those things on its head because when God shows up, he's not doing the things Messiah's ought to do. He's not, you know, he's not fitting the bill. He's not living up to the resume and actually he dies. In God and his wisdom, he reconciles the world through death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And that, Paul says, a, like the world, the way it looks at, like the world is going to look at that and say it's just foolish. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to grab hold of the wisdom of this world, you will not be able to find God at the end of that trail. Because it almost kind of reminds me of our character from last week who thought that spirituality and a life with God and a relationship with him and finding security and comfort there works the same way as it does with business. What do I need to do? We just immediately assume and project onto the way that God works in the world and the way that he gets done. What he wants done is the same way that we would cut our grass or paint our living room or climb the ladder at work. Yep. Or take the starting quarterback's job. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very different setting. It's a, it's a whole different conversation. It's, it's, a, it's an entirely different world altogether. And if you go to like the definition that you're bringing up in first Corinthians, I'm you know, just reading it right here. First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse 20, it says, where, where, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world. Everything that you're putting in play to think this is what makes you worthy and includes you with me. Have I not taken that, what you think as wisdom and shown you that it's foolish to think that I'm like this. That's what he's saying here. Verse 21, he says, for since, you know, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preached. He says, I love that the folly, the foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe verse 22 for Jews demand signs. That's like, that's sort of like their wisdom, you know, component And the Greeks seek wisdom, like knowledge. That's, that's their wisdom piece that they're bringing to the table. But Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified which is a stumbling block to the Jews in a, in a foolishness, a folly to the Gentiles. That's what he says. But it's, but this is the wisdom of God that goes far beyond what we think and measure and do and practice. It's through his life for our life. It's through his death, right? For our death, his resurrection is our resurrection. He's reconciled all things because we never could. And then he looks at us and says, trust me, let's walk together. I made you for this. I literally created you for this communion, but it's a life of trust. 
And so I think when we read this parable, the reason why Jesus uses wise and foolish, these two words, is to show us that he's not talking about people who got it together, figured it out, and you know, proved themselves worthy, counted, okay, and we're, when we're brought into this thing. I think he's actually showing us the opposite. Yeah, well, I think it's it, it, here. I'll show you the complication of just taking this thing at face value of whether or not you got oil or you don't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got oil or you don't have oil. If you got oil, make sure you always got oil because when he comes back, you're going to get in. If you don't, you're screwed. Yep. Russ, when is the last time you and Krista were invited to a wedding and you packed a full meal in Krista's purse, just in case the bride and groom didn't show up at the reception for dinner time. <laughs> How many times have I wanted to do that? I mean, I know weddings like this waiting around for the bridegroom. It's so relatable because every wedding you go to, it's like, what the heck, dude? Like, where are you? Finish your pictures so I can get on to, you know, eating. And I'm always asking for extra salad at weddings and embarrassing my wife. And you know how much I like salads. But when was the Mm. last time you thought to yourself, you know, I know this uh, reception is supposed to start. Wedding starts at five. Reception starts at six thirty. It might be right. in the same location, different location. When's the last time you thought to yourself, you know, they're probably not going to show up right at 630. So let's go ahead and just pack some grilled chicken, some rice, some green beans, and grab a couple of LaCroix to go just in case they don't show up. Because yep. to that scenario is exactly what's going on in this parable. The groom was delayed till midnight. Yeah. Yeah. This they is a all, daytime they all wedding. They fell asleep. It's so late. They all fell yeah. asleep. Yeah, the, the story Jesus tells literally turns a wedding party into a slumber party. <laughs> right. Right. So, so number one, it's a daytime wedding. This is a Jewish culture. So it's a daytime wedding. No one there is planning on being there late. It's just it's not even in the cards. So when we start acquiring like all these different scenarios and little camps for like what's 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 foolish and what's wise and and how do we manipulate this thing and how do we make sure we're we're really diving in and doing all that we should he basically just blows all that out of the water mm-hmm. it's a daytime wedding no one's packing a lunch in their purse for this thing and just yeah. to be clear and i love the way capen calls it he calls him <laughs> the belt and suspenders crew that's what he refers to as the wise bridesmaids in the story he's like who's going to a wedding carrying a lamp with a with a bleach bottle full of kerosene tied around their waist you know like that's the crowd that's like gone above and beyond planning for anything that could possibly go wrong sure. they're not exactly fun okay number two the way jesus tells the story when the foolish bridesmaids realize hey we're running out of oil here we're gonna need some more so that these things are lit when the groom shows up and they say to the others, hey, can we get a little bit of, uh, of oil? I know you guys got extra. Bro, Jesus tells the story. These, these other five that we call wise, that he refers to as wise, I think on purpose, literally shun them. These girls are like, no, get out of here. You should have so, been prepared. So much for embodying kingdom ethics and sharing what you have. It, literally, the, the crowd that's screaming for kingdom ethics and sharing and kindness and mercy and going above and beyond, and I thought this whole thing was about loving your neighbor, these, these ladies that are included in the party, the celebration at the end of time, they're, they're guilty, okay, against all of that. Well, think, think about it. I think it might be, it might be the same fear. I think you might interpret this moment like he's late. It's it's his fault that they don't have any oil, right? The only yeah. ap- like seemingly appearing wise thing is like these this other crew prepared for disaster when the other ones thought like, hey, well, everything's just going to go according to plan. Yeah. If dinner's supposed to start at 630, it's going to start at 630. Yeah, they didn't do anything um, wrong by not having extra oil. Right. The way I was thinking about it, it was kind of like... um. Like, uh, you know, we live on in a neighborhood and there's a ton of people that come over to our house. It's not rare at all. Like on a Saturday or during the summer at like seven freaking o'clock, dude, for like some kid to start knocking on our door. 
or someone to come <laughs> over or someone to just pop by. Hey, you forgot this at our house last night or whatever. And inevitably when that happens, I've had it where we like Pam and I have been like laying in bed. She's like, Anthony, wake up because someone's at the door, you know, like, <laughs> or maybe she's like in the kitchen and she's around, but someone knocks on the door and she'll run upstairs. Like, why? Mm. Because it's like, okay, like most ladies, like, I don't want to be caught in my robe or my hair's a mess or something right. like that. I don't, I don't want this person to see me as I am. Mm. So think about what might be at the core of not sharing, but also leaving to go find more oil. Everybody's worried about being seen as they are. The uptight crew who's packing extra oil doesn't want to be seen without extra. So if they mm -hmm. share, maybe I'm not going to be appearing as wise as I am. Yeah. I want I want them to know, no, I'm prepared for this. And if yep. I share, it's going to look like I'm not as prepared. And then the other crew, which is the opposite of, oil, of love, by the way. Yes. And the other crew who doesn't have it is like, dude, I can't be seen without my lamp lit. Like, look at these other people. I need to be like them. Look, they're prepared. And I'm not like both of them are literally like, we're not going to be accepted as we are. Yeah. Yep. And think about like as a commentary for just humanity and just on the heels of our podcast last week, what must I do? I can't be seen as I truly am. Mm -hmm. There surely has to be something I need to do, achieve, change, tweak, grow yeah. something I need to become in order to be welcomed. Now, Russ, right when was there. the last time you got invited to a wedding, like invitation in hand, you're literally you and Chris's name are on a little card when you walk into the reception and you already have a seat at the table assigned to you. When was the last time you thought to yourself, man, we got invited to this wedding. I hope I get in. Yeah. I'm hope I'm welcomed. It's like, yeah. dude, no, you're already in. You're already welcome. the last time that you were walking through the, through the buffet line <laughs> and thinking to yourself, I wonder if they'll invite me. <laughs> right? You say that out loud and you're like, that's ludicrous. That doesn't make any sense. Bingo. So I feel like when you pull back on the story and look at it and you go, master storytellers at it again the kingdom of god is likened to this groom who found these people to be worthy okay and so he chose them to be a part of this stop right there other people came to the wedding and he was delayed life happens Newsflash to everyone listening uh, and reminder to myself, to be clear, uh, life does not always go as you plan. My experience has been, it rarely ever does things happen, man. And yeah. sometimes you wind up going to a wedding and for some crazy reason, it literally turns into a slumber party and it's midnight and the groom, the groom isn't there yet. So the full party is not underway. Yeah, or you could take it the you could take it the other way too, and that going back into the absence thing. Sometimes life happens, but also too, like sometimes God appears to be completely absent. Mm -hmm. Sometimes He's just constantly disappointing us who have expectations and demands, suggestions, and make passionate pleas to Him, mm -hmm. and they, and He doesn't act according to our timetables or in the ways that we want. I yep. literally have an uncle dude that just punted on faith altogether. Because my grandma got MLS in her early 60s. And he's just like, if God's real, that never would have happened. Yeah. How many yeah. people do you know that are, are like that? Oh, dude. Like, I mean, and God tells us his ways are not our ways. His ways are so above our ways and how he sees all things and how it all works together and how he works it all together. Even the hard things for our good. Like, we don't see all that. And I think, again, now we're right back to life being about sight instead of life being about faith. They're two different things. Right. And so when it doesn't go as we think it should, and according to what we can see, we punt, right? We get mad. We, we, and we start interpreting what I'm finding is we start interpreting God through our lens instead of vice versa. And so I think just seeing that in the story, we have to remind ourselves it was the groom who chose the bridesmaids. It was the groom who found them worthy. Just like there's craziness in 
these ladies bringing extra oil with them. You know what I mean? Like, it's just such a, it's just, it, it doesn't really, you, you have to kind of laugh at it, you know, when you think about it. And just like you laugh at them being snooty, right? When they're, you know, towards other people that are in need of help, there's just as much ludicrous things going on with the other five thinking that they could leave at midnight to go find oil. Like the oil shop closed at 5 p.m. at the latest. Oh, it's midnight? <laughs> Surely there's a 24-hour Ace Hardware around here. Right. Like, that, that doesn't exist. So Not only do they that. share their oil, they just have a bad idea. and They don't even know when small businesses close. It's like, no. who, are, who are these supposed wise bridesmaids? Not very I, wise. That's, that's what I was bringing up earlier. Is I think that's why Jesus tells the story this way, is to help us see that this is not about good and bad works that yeah. bring you into the kingdom. It's not that at all. Because as we see in the story, the groom does show up. And it is midnight and they awaken with a cheer. Like, man, he's here. The party. Yes. And the door closes and the party begins. But then those five that left come knocking on the door. Let us in, let us in. And he's like, no, no, you can't come in. I don't, I don't, I don't know you. And do when I read that, in light of what you start to understand about the story, it's like, oh, they had forgotten that it was him who found them worthy. And it was him who included them in this festivity. They, in their unbelief of this reality, chose to think that it was what they looked like that made them worthy. They, in their unbelief, decided to leave to go get lamp oil so that their lamps were lit so that they could be counted as worthy to be there doing their yeah. part. And in so doing, completely missed the party altogether. Yeah. Because they actually didn't know him. They didn't know what he was like. Yeah. If you know, if you know what he's like, um, you're certainly going to be okay with going out to greet him with an empty lamp. Yep. And if you know what he's like, you're certainly free to bring extra oil, but -hmm. you're also free to not, not have to worry and scurry about in life or planning for every, you know, possible disaster or living in fear that maybe he won't accept you. If you don't pack extra or if you're not extra wise, extra holy, extra, yeah. you know, studious in the scriptures or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this fear of being seen for who I am and missing yeah. the fact that they were already welcome. They were already invited. I think that that's why the foolish ones unbelief really stands out here. Because if you know, if you know him, you, you, you come to understand and know that he doesn't work according to conventional human wisdom, that he's right. going to be delayed. That sometimes things are going to happen in life where you just don't understand. You're going to have tragedy. You're going to deal with loss and tragedy and difficulty. You're going to know that his winning and victory in the world came about by losing. You're just going to yep. know that he flips wisdom on its head and chooses foolish, unseen, undetectable ways he, he lets weeds grow right along with the wheat yeah All you're gonna be a little bit end. you're gonna be a As little bit learn. more okay yeah. with that mystery you're gonna yes. be a little bit more okay with your boxes not getting checked or trusting in a god that doesn't obey your every command and yeah. when the foolish ones have this moment this crisis moment mm-hmm. when he shows up they, they, they really are looking around and say, am I going to be enough? Is the invitation going to be enough? Is the fact that I'm here going to be enough? And they quickly resort to sprucing themselves up and appearing yeah. to be something that they actually aren't, which is the opposite of faith. If you are listening to this, God has done something definitively in Christ. Apart from what I think of it, 
you think of it apart from what I've done, haven't done apart from what you've done and haven't done, whether good or bad, being wise or being foolish. He's rescued the world. He's reconciled the world. And objectively, he has reconciled you and he has invited you to this party at the end of the world. He's invited you. You're a guest. Your name is written on a card. You have a seat assigned to you. There is food prepared for you. There is a place prepared for you. And this is why we can, at the end of it, he says, stay awake. Be looking forward to my coming. We don't have to fear his coming. Mm -mm. We don't have to fear meeting him. Why? Because we know the truth of the good news. We know that he's freely welcomed us by a work of his son. He's made us guests. And when he shows up, we don't have to scamper and scurry about to quick take our robe off and do our hair and make sure we have the best clothes on or make sure the resume is updated or make sure, you know what I'm saying, whatever. We can just know, oh, there's the one that's been loving me this whole entire time, according to his heart and his son, not my performance, whether foolish or wise. The the crisis for them, the crisis for for the foolish in this parable comes from what they can see. Yeah. It comes from what they can see. That's where the crisis enters. And they think that, that he approves them or will include them in his life, in his party, in the festivities based off what he can see that you've done or not done. And it's the opposite of why they were chosen to begin with. They were chosen because he found them worthy and wanted them to be a part of the evening in their unbelief of this reality in AKA in their looking at the crisis and what they could see, they chose not to believe. And in their lack of faith, they removed themselves from the party because when he shows up the snotty non-sharing unloving group. Okay. Who were wearing belt and suspenders just in case. That crowd and everyone else is at a slumber party and enjoys and enjoys this whole evening. And the crowd that left to go better themselves are the only ones who miss out on it. Dude, there it is. That is yeah. where judgment falls. Judgment falls on unfaith, unbelief, not trusting him. Yeah. Every time. And if you notice, they started out included in, in their unbelief, which is what we were saying earlier. They excluded themselves. Yeah. And just so just so we're clear, because I know, you know, there's a lot of people who have been, you know, taught this parable in light of, you know, maybe an idea of a rapture or, you know, thinking that somehow it's, you know, their resume or how well they did this life thing that somehow they're going to get invited at the end. At the end, Jesus says, like, stay awake, stay alert, keep watch, right? What is exactly keep awake, therefore, for, you know, neither the day nor the hour history is going to come to an end. Yeah, we, this is, it's not like what Rusty Cole said in true detective season one, that time was a, you know, a flat circle that keeps going round and round and round and round and round. Yeah. It's not, um, it's, it's coming to, it's coming to an end. History will mm-hmm. be consummated um, at some point. And the one who made all things um, when he comes, it is going to be its conclusion. And either you're going to have said yes to him, or you're going to have said no, or maybe, um, but there's going to be a time when the, the ACE hardware is closed, the door is closed. It's all shut. And I don't want to, I don't want to make light of that. Um, and my hope no, is for, it's- everyone to realize that they're invited, but just really, really quick before you say this, his thing is keep awake, but have you noticed who all fell asleep out of the 10? They all did. They all fell asleep. Yeah. These ones had extra oil, right? Mm -hmm. And these ones didn't, but they all fell asleep. They all fell short of this. Keep awake. And what he, I think what he's saying is even though they all fell short or even though they all fell asleep, it's not about staying awake. I'm just saying life's going to be a lot more fun. If you're awake to this party and look forward to it, 
Because yeah. at the end of the world is a party. Knowing God is a party. It's not yeah. a bitter thing. It's not a sucky thing. It's not a terrible thing. There's a lot of joy in knowing that the God who made me did everything needed in order for me to have table fellowship with him. And even though he's unseen and doesn't work according to how I think he ought to work. And a lot of times I know I'm loved with a love that won't let me go. And it is, it it doesn't matter what's going on. I could have a real terrible headache. Like what you're dealing with right now and pushing through on a podcast. (laughs) I could have the, just the shit of my life come caving in all around me. And at the end of the day, nothing can separate me from this love. Nothing, nothing can take that away. No. And that seems to be the thing that he, that he's calling for, because what you just shared would be most, um, I guess the word might be indicative of what he's like, that he's, he's one who has done this and he's one that you can trust. And it's that relationship that he created you for. Cause even at the end of the parable, he doesn't say, uh, he doesn't say, I never called you. Okay. He doesn't say, um, I never drew you to myself. He only says, I never knew you because you never bothered to know me. Which to your point earlier, this isn't like an intellectual assent to a body of doctrine or a list of terms. This isn't no. like at the end of like updating Apple iTunes, like agreeing to the terms and like clicking a button. It's a person. Yeah. Faith is faith is a journey of, of trusting someone. And naturally it doesn't just live in your head. Okay. Because you don't exist in a head. Like what you believe will always make it out into your hands, your feet. Um, and even other members <laughs> of your body can, can yeah. go in directions that are going to lead to joy and harmony or can lead to things that are very, very, very destructive. So I feel it's like there's a really to, like, I think we're, I feel like we're just missing an opportunity to make a joke here. Yeah. We'll leave it. We'll leave that one there, but, but I'm just trying to get at this idea of faith. It's not just this idea that you have in your head and that's it. Right. But in this story, you have people who are all included because of him. Mm-hmm. And if you fail to see what he's like, you can easily choose to not believe and remove yourself from the party. Yeah. Cause there is a day coming when he is coming back. He's made that clear. Yeah. And you could also breathe your last before he ever comes back. True. But the bottom line is uh, someday late or soon, it will be too late to believe. Yeah. And I think that is something he is making known here. That's sort of the point of the parable soon or late one day. Um, it's going to be too late to believe, man. It's going to be yeah. too late to trust in what he's done and declared. And for those who do and see what he's like, there's a party at hand, man. And for those who don't, it's really sad. It just downright sucks. Yeah. Because you chose to leave the only party this world's ever going to know. Yeah. And my encouragement to anyone who's listening and kicking the tires or anyone who's listening and finding like a lot of encouragement in these parables for the purpose of like passing on what God is like to your friends, your family members, just people that you love Mm -hmm. is my encouragement for you as you're considering that whether to say yes to him, don't look for him in the most obvious places. Don't look for him in the places of human conventional wisdom. Like, Hey, uh, show yourself to me. If I hit this half court shot backwards and blindfolded, then you exist and you love me. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't look for him in ways that make sense. According to just how life goes, he's, he has become a victor through losing. He meets you in your death, not your success. His grace comes to you despite how you look what your record is, what your performance has been, what your resume is. Don't look for him in those places. Mm -hmm. Don't let the hiddenness of God deter you. 
Yeah. It's a journey of faith, man. We trust in the things that are unseen rather than seen. Yep. That's it. And yes, things will happen, you know, in and through your life. And, you know, does God bring change and transformation and does he bring healing to this and help to this need over here? And Amen. But that's all, uh, that's all above our pay grade. That's something that he's doing. Yeah. True. Let's not get so caught up in that, that we missed the one thing he invited us to do, which was trusting. Yeah. Amen. Dude. That was good. So, I didn't know how that one was going to go. We had a lot of pre-show conversation. Um, yeah. And a pounding good. headache. And a pounding headache. And it turned out, turned out good. Thanks for pushing through it, man. And thanks for listening. If you've been listening to the Larcast, we appreciate you more than you know. Uh, we do not just exist to put out good content. We want to know you. We want to meet you. Um, we have a lot of different avenues for that to take place. You can reach out to us at howdy at larksite.com. Um, you can get connected to a community of people who are coming around good news, rethinking what churches rethinking what how how good this news is how good this gospel is how sweet this grace is um naturally you probably have a lot of questions like a lot of people that reach out to us we have a lot of different ways to converse about that dialogue about that interact with that with others who are right where you're at as well and two if you want to go deeper we have all kinds of different things we have reclaim we got videos you can purchase reclaim videos online for free we got all kinds of just different, you know, stuff just to help you in your journey. But I think the most important thing is um, we would love to love to meet you. So reach out to us. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that, man. So until next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>